0: The Lord God was about to do something different. He was going to do a new work. The timing was right. And he, in this new work, he was going to use a man that he said he gave the keys to the kingdom, Matthew 16, 19, Peter. And what we've seen several times in Scripture, many times in Scripture, is any time the Lord's going to do a new work, He does it through vision. He gives vision when he's about to do something new. Now, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know that. That's the character of God. His character stays the same, but he does new things. Sometimes he switches up uh, the program, if you will. And that's exactly what he was about to do. In our passage that we're going to look at today I love the fact that Daniel read a passage out of Acts chapter 8 Because that's going to springboard us into And we didn't plan this That's going to springboard us into our teaching today in Acts chapter 10 So if you want to turn to Acts chapter 10 Please do that now A new work Something new God was about to do And he was going to give vision to the man he wanted to do it What was he going to do? He was about to do something that even you and I today get to benefit from and have benefited from, you and me. We'll see the origin of that today, but it's a fascinating story because as we do with the youth and the college group, we do what's called famous stories of the Bible and as the Lord laid this on my heart, oh, probably a month or two ago now, as time flies, you know how that works. Um, this will be somewhat of a review for the college kids. But I think there are some new elements that I think the Lord wants us to see. So even you guys will get a little bit of newness here. This is a famous story. You guys have heard it many times. Acts chapter 10 will start in the middle of verse 9. I know that's a little unorthodox, but we're going to do it anyway. You'll see why in a moment. The middle of verse 9, Acts chapter 10. Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, or about noon. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. There's Peter. You know, it's about lunchtime, you know, starting to get a little hungry. And it's time for him to just like kind of, he's seeing the people in the house. They're kind of starting to get some things together. They're, they're pulling food out of the fridge. They're firing up the microwaves and the ovens. And they're, they're starting to prep. And there's some activity going on. And, and he says, you know what, while you guys are doing that, I'm going to get away. And it says there he goes up onto the rooftop. In those days, the roofs were flat, and usually uh, they had a stairwell going up to the top of the roof because that typically was a hangout area in the day. They would go up there in the cool of the evening and just kind of chill and relax, and, and that was a time and a place to kind of get away from it all, and that's what Peter does. He kind of takes that opportunity to go up there and, and relax and, and pray. And while he does, he's up there, and he's kind of overlooking the Mediterranean Sea there, and the, the breeze is coming in, and his stomach's growling. Man, I know what that's like. I won't get into my stories of intermediate, uh, what do they call it, intermittent fasting. I'm not going to bore you with that. I wanted to do the 23 and 1. That's where you eat for 23 hours and fast for one hour, but it wasn't working, so I quit. Um, the point is, Peter's up there, he's starving, man, he's hungry, his stomach's growling, and he's looking out over the, the Mediterranean, the breeze is coming in, and he's like, ah, oh, and he kind of starts to kind of doze off, but he goes into this trance, and this trance we'll find out is from the Lord. And what he saw there over the sea, verse 11, he saw heaven opened, and an object like a great sheet or also could be translated as a sail, like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. And this was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Interesting, this vision or this trance, this thing that Peter saw this big sheet, heaven opened up and over the Mediterranean there as he's kind of dozing off and he goes into this trance, stomach growling, he's hungry. How does the Lord speak to him? With the thing that he's dealing with right at that moment. What was he dealing with? He's hungry. And that's kind of cool. That's a neat parallel for you and I. God uses what Peter was dealing with at that moment to speak to him and to show him the vision. This sheet coming down from heaven, and it's filled with all kinds of, it says four-footed animals there. Now, there's no doubt that what Peter saw, the animals that he was looking at, and when he heard the voice from the Lord say, rise, Peter, kill and eat, oh, no, I can't. Because no doubt he saw animals that, due to Leviticus 11, where In the Levitical law, they were told very strict dietary uh, restrictions and rules. I mean, they had to eat only like uh, animals with split hooves and also chewed the cud. Had to be both. They couldn't have an animal. Some animals just chew the cud but don't have split hooves. Some animals have split hooves but don't chew the cud. They couldn't eat those. Those were to be detestable to them. Unclean, common, but if it had split hooves evenly and chewed the cud, they were permitted. Okay, but the list, if you read Leviticus chapter 11, the list gets very interesting. It it talks about creeping things. They weren't to eat geckos, little gecko insurance lizard. He's safe. They weren't to eat geckos. Creepy, crawly things like snakes and that sort of thing. They, they couldn't eat certain fish. Lobster, crab, sorry, had to have scales and fins. There was very strict dietary laws. And birds, no. You know these seagulls that we have when we go to the beach? It's fun. They land on your hood, and you're eating your fries, and you throw them on the dash, and they bang their head on the windshield thinking they can get it. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, it's fun. Try it sometime. But you, you couldn't eat seagulls. There are certain birds you couldn't eat. And those are all listed right there in Leviticus 11. And you know what's also included in the flying things? Bats. Now, the people that are close to me know I hate bats. I hate bats. I will run. Like pigtails fly out of my head, and i scream. I don't like them. I run from them. They're just bleh, nasty. And, hey, I'm biblical in that. You can't eat bats. It says it right there, the word. And Peter looks out and over the sea he sees this and no doubt all of these animals, and God says, rise and kill and eat. Oh, not so, Lord, no. This is where the law comes in. My mouth, my lips have never touched and eaten anything unclean. And what does he say? The Lord says, you know what? Do not call unclean what I have cleaned and what I have cleansed. Don't call common what I have cleansed. That's interesting. Now you're thinking, okay, so what is the deal here? Is he removing the portion of the law and he's opening up the dietary? Is he, is he loosening the restrictions of the, the Jewish uh, dietary laws? So now, all of a sudden, it's okay to eat all that? And Peter's even scratching his head. This happened three times. He must have been wondering, what does this mean? So now I can eat lizards and insects too. It says in Leviticus 11, they could eat uh, insects with wings that can fly at the same time. So that's why John the Baptist was able to eat locusts. But if it had wings and just crawled, you can't. These were strict and they took it very serious but it goes beyond that. There was a deeper meaning here. And he used what? Food to talk to Peter. He used food in this vision to express to him, listen, you're the guy. You're the guy I gave the keys to the kingdom to and the timing is right. It's time for you to see this new work I'm gonna do. And you know what? I'm gonna use food because that's where you're at right now. That's what you're struggling with right now. Your stomach's growling, you're hungry. You hear them downstairs probably, you know, the smells of the food's lofting up through the roof and you're smelling that, you're hungry. And I'm gonna use that where you're at right now, that thing you're dealing with, I'm gonna use that to give you the vision of the new work that I wanna do. How cool is that? Back to our text. This was done three times, verse 17. Now, while Peter wondered within himself, what this vision, which he had seen, meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made their, their inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Who are these guys? Now, this is what's interesting, because when I was studying for this months ago to teach to the college kids, um, you know, famous stories of the Bible. Oh, Lord, what should I teach? Oh, oh, I remember that one. Let's, let's do something out of the New Testament. Well, that's a famous story, you know, the sheet coming down with the animals, that's cool. And that's where I was thinking about starting, but you know what I realized? You can't. You cannot start there. Why? Because there's a whole other half of a story going on at the beginning of the chapter that, as we'll see, will meld together beautifully the way God orchestrates it. You can't just start with Peter on the roof. And I realized that. I'm like, who are these guys sent by Cornelius? Who's that guy? We're going to go back. We're going to find out. Go back to verse 1 of the chapter. You have to start here. That's what I realized. You have to see this half of the story because God is doing a work. It's brand new, and he's doing something in Peter's life and in his heart and mind right now. And he's also doing something in this man named Cornelius's life. And then what's going to happen is their two paths are going to meet, and a beautiful thing is going to happen. Again, something that we are all recipients of as well, even today. Verse 1 of chapter 10, let's go there. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a centurion. You guys know about the the Roman army? It was broken into regiments of 6,000 men, which was then further broken down into groups uh, or cohorts of 600 men, and then of those 600 men, those were further broken down into groups of 100. And the groups of 100 men or 100 soldiers were overseen by a man that was called a centurion. Now, a little bit about these guys. These guys were respected. They were intelligent. They were men of discipline. They were men who rose up through the ranks. They could think quick on their feet in stressful situations. These guys were like the master sergeants of the Roman army. Okay, they would be like the, the gunnies of the Marine Corps or the chiefs of the Navy. When I was in the Navy, we had these guys that were fresh out of college, and they went to, like, officer school, and, and they had their little officer uniform, and they, they had, if they were ensigns, they had these gold, Single bars on their collar. We called them butter bars, behind their backs, of course. And you know, they were officers, so you had to respect them, but you know, they were like, okay, guys, I'm in charge. And we were all like, okay. You know, it's kind of one of those things where I'm an officer. So you have to give them the respect because of that, but these guys were not, you know, they weren't, they didn't come really through the ranks. But I tell you what, when our chief walked through the door, whoo. When he spoke, it was like EF Hutton. We all listened. It was funny because these ensigns and and then, you know, they'd graduate to a silver bar, which was Lieutenant Junior Grade. Still an ensign, really, but, you know, you gotta give a little bit more respect and everything, so they're officers, and some of them were really cool. They knew what time it was, like, hey guys, I know. I I went to college, I'm an officer, I get it. And, you know, you respect them for that. But the guys that really thought they were something with the butter bars, we kind of knew better. But when the chief came in, it was like, what's up, chief? Hey, I want this done, that, and this and everything else. And sometimes the ensign would give us orders, and we'd all listen, and we'd go, and we'd look at the chief, and the chief would be like, you know, okay, yeah, so we can do that. Hey, man. You know, it was kind of interesting. But the centurion was that guy. He rose up through the ranks. He, he knew battle. He was intelligent. This man knew what was going on. When he walked in the room, the Roman soldiers, whoo, they came too and they listened. He was a devout man, our next verse tells us. Look at that, verse two, a devout man, and one who feared God. What? A Roman centurion who feared God? Well, the question is which one? The Romans had several gods what does it say right here? This man feared God, capital G. Interesting. With all his household. And he gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. What is going on here? He feared God, capital G, gave alms and prayed to God, capital G, continuously. Why would he do that? Could it be that this man wanted his household and his family to know the real, true God because he saw the emptiness in all of the gods that the Roman civilization propped up and made statues of and worshipped? Could it be that he saw the emptiness of that and goes, you know what, no, not buying it? Remember, these men are intelligent. They can think for themselves. They've been trained to. And he's seeing this, and it's like, no, I don't think so. He wants to know the real, true God. And guys, watch what happens. And about the ninth hour, verse 3, of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in, and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. What? We're going to stop right there. This is so cool. You guys have got to see this. This is is amazing. You're telling me that this Roman centurion, not saved, how do I know that? We're going to find out in a moment. He's not a believer. The gospel has not come to him, but could it be that this man who wants his family, wants to know even himself, the one true God, he's doing everything in his power and his limited knowledge to seek the one true God. God, if you are out there And if you see me, and if you care for me, I'm seeking you. So what is he doing? He's a devout man, a good man. And he's doing what he thinks he needs to do to reach God. You know what this story is, guys? This is a story of a loving God seeking a sinner. A sinner who's seeking God. That's what this story is about. I have been taught my whole life, well, God does not hear the prayers of the unbeliever. He only hears the the sinner's prayer. He does not God does not hear the prayer of the non-believer. Is that true? Where do we get this? I've heard that my whole life. And what I'm reading right here, what does it say? Let's go back. He sees clearly in a vision. An angel says to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. How in the world have we lived our Christian life for years? How did I get along all these years and think that the very first prayer that God hears is only the sinner's prayer? That is cool stuff. Would you agree? That's a mind blower for me. You probably knew this, but I'm like, how did I? It's almost like, have you ever known someone who's just, (laughs) they're just a good person. They're good people at heart. Yeah, in our opinion, in what we see and know, yeah, they're not believers per se, Christians. We can't look into people's hearts. Only God can do that. But they're good people. Have you known folks like that? And I know there's non-righteous, no, not one. I know that from a heavenly perspective. But from our perspective, we see these people, and man, man they're good people. And perhaps in their minds and in their hearts and their ways, they're seeking God. And what are they doing? They're, they're given to charity. They want to do good. They just don't know what direction to go. They don't know which, where, who to call out to. I've known people like that, dear friend of mine who I've worked for for many years, now retired, he's moved on to another state, enjoying his retirement, but I worked for him for many years, this guy was a good guy, he is a good guy, he has in his heart uh, a desire to help and, and give you the shirt off his back, he gives to charity, he asks you if you work for him, hey, uh, your boy plays baseball, yeah, what time? Six. Okay, cool. Guess what? At six, you look over. He's in the stands. He's there to support you. Because why? Because that's important for me. My boy's playing baseball. I'm going to be there. Because that's important to me, it's important to him. That's cool. That is good. That's a good heart. Is he saved? I don't believe so. I don't don't know, but I would say from what I see from the outside, I would say no. Do you know people like that? And you're telling me that there's people out there who are going through stuff and are just seeking and searching. They're good people, and and they find themselves in a terrible situation. And they're like, God, if you are out there, and if you see me, whoever you are, and if you love me, would you please help me? Are you really telling me that God's like, uh, nope. Nope, that wasn't the right one. Sorry. If there is a God and you can hear me right now, whoever you are, would you heal my daughter? Oh, nope, nah. that's not it. That's not the one. That didn't sound like the sinner's prayer. Are we believing that? And we don't have to believe that anymore, why? Because it says right here, here's a devout man. He sees the emptiness of the gods of his civilization and he's looking around and goes, this is empty, it's wrong. There's gotta be something better out there. So I'm gonna do what I can to get my family and myself to see the true God and I'll do good things and I pay the alms and I give to charity. And guess what? This was not so he could get his name on a plaque and it wasn't so he could get a better parking space. This is because he truly wanted to do good. And he's seeking and he's praying. It says here to God. Now God sees his heart. And God heard all that. He heard all of that. And there's going to be a really awesome thing the Lord's going to do with this. As we're moving on. Verse 5. A continuation. The angel comes to him and he says, hey, your prayers... God have been heard. Your alms and everything you've done that's come up as a memorial to me. Now, he says, send, now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. And so when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Could you imagine that conversation? Oh, guys, check this out. This is what happened. This is so cool. All right. So you, this is what the angel told me. He goes, so you guys have to go to Joppa. I'm sending you three. And you're the three guys I trust the most. You got to go to Joppa and you're going to go and you're going to get this guy. Go get him. And so when he explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Verse nine, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And that's where we picked up our story at the beginning. Now you see what's going on here. Cornelius, a man who's devout, who's seeking the truth the best way he knows how. There's got to be something out there better, more true. And I don't know exactly how to get there, but I want to. That's my heart's desire. Now, that's my heart's desire for my whole family, my whole household. And so the angel of the Lord shows up. Now, why didn't the angel of the Lord just give him the gospel? Why not? He was right there that's not angels job that's you and me that's our job our job is to spread the gospel Jesus just years before this a few years before this told his disciples go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature now the disciples were like "Mm -hmm. okay and by the whole world you mean the Jewish world right? They must have been thinking that, because guess what? Jews and Gentiles, they didn't commingle, They didn't hang out. The Jews looked at the Gentiles literally, and it's taught, it was taught to them that they were basically fodder to keep hell's fires going. The Jews did not have a good view of the Gentiles at all. So you have to understand that's, that's where this is going. God is about to do this awesome work and he's about to open the floodgates of the gospel to the Gentile because it hasn't gone to them yet. And God is gonna do this new work and he's gonna use Peter to do it. So he gives Peter this vision of a new work and Peter is kind of scratching his head. He sees it three times, it's food and it's God met him where he's at and it's like okay i don't really know god is this is this me or is this you are you did you give me this vision or am i just suffering from something i ate last night that's bad so peter is beginning to see a picture but it's not quite clear yet cornelius on the other hand he's excited because an angel of the lord says hey You want answers. The prayers you've been praying and the alms you've been given that's come up to God as a memorial, an angel of the Lord obviously blew him away because he was in in fear, but the angel told him, hey, you want answers? God has seen that. And if you want the answers, you got to send for this guy. So go get him. And that's where our story meets right there in verse nine, or excuse me, a little bit lower than that. These men showed up. Verse 17, and they made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Interesting. This is not necessarily about food. Although that's what the Lord used as a tool to get Peter's attention because he's starving, hungry up there on the roof, tummy grumbling. He's been doing the intermittent fasting and it's almost noon. He's about ready to be able to eat. That's what I said in the office. Everybody know what time it is? They're like, yeah, no, you can eat now. They were sick and tired of hearing it. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're celebrating. Microwaves fire up. And God used that to get to Peter's heart and to his mind, and he's going to use that to show him the vision. But it was an interesting one because he's like, I don't get it, Lord. Is this me or is it you? And that's what always happens when the Lord gives you a vision, if he gives something that's strong on your heart and strong uh, inclination towards something. How do I know it's you, Lord? Is this me, Lord, or is this you? Confirmation. The Lord will give you a word, and if it's from him truly he'll confirm it. What happens here? Knock on the door. As s- soon as he's wrapping up this vision and it goes back up into heaven and he's sitting there contemplating, there's a knock at the gate. Hey, is, uh, is Peter here? Does Peter stay here? Well, yes, he does. Three men show up and Peter comes down and the conversation begins He's contemplating this. He thought about the vision. And the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, what does it say, verse 19? Said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. More confirmation. Okay, this is of me. So now God, now Peter knows, okay, this is of God. Verse 20, Arise, therefore, go, uh, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Okay, Lord. Um, they're Gentiles (laughs) and we don't talk to them. If we accidentally bump up against one in the marketplace, we rush home and burn our clothes because we're, uh, not ceremonially clean all the way till evening. Are you sure? (laughs) Okay. This looks like something new. Yes. God was doing something new, amazingly new. Verse 21, then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he who you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in. That's huge. We don't do that. Jews inviting Gentiles into their home? No. They don't even want to bump up against them accidentally in the marketplace, let alone have them under their roof. What's he do? Something new. Something new's happening. And Peter is sensing that. He invites them in. He invited them in, verse 23, and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa and accompanied them. I like this. Peter is like, okay, he's still in this. uh, That was an interesting vision I saw. What does it mean? Lord, is this you or is it me? Confirmation hits, knock on the door. The Holy Spirit says, there's three guys down there. It's okay, I want you to go with them. Okay, we'll get started tomorrow. So come on in the house, that's weird. And so now go with them. Peter's trying to step out in faith. And as he's doing that, you know what? I better bring some homies. Just in case, because I don't want to get in trouble here. (laughs) I better bring some homies. And what does he do? He brings some brethren some witnesses with him. Now, this is going to be cool because these guys are going to see something too. They're going to partake in this new work and they're going to see a new vision as well. It's going to be really cool. But Peter's bringing some homies. He's bringing some bodyguards. This, what am I getting into here? You're asking me to go with you guys, your are Gentiles, not, not just that. One of you is a Roman soldier. Um, you got to love Peter. Peter is that guy, remember... Peter is like me. He's not really good at all the spiritual stuff. Remember him in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, "Listen, pray." <laughs> pray. Pray that you will not fall into temptation, and Jesus went further on and he prayed alone. But then he come back an hour later. What's Peter doing? <clears throat> Out. Peter, wake up. Could you not pray for 1 hour? You know, he goes up to pray in his quiet place on the roof. He goes up to pray, but what happens? Ugh, so hungry. You know? And the wind's blowing, and it's like, uh, he's out. But into a trance by the Lord. So he brings some friends with him. Verse 24. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them. Oh, could you imagine the excitement? Pins and needles. Oh, gosh, he's there waiting looking out on the horizon. where Are they, are they coming? Oh, I want to hear what this guy has to say. And he was waiting for them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. Is that not neat? He wasn't going to just keep this news for himself. Let's just test the waters, and then, you know, if it's weird, then I can just say, well, thanks. No, no, no. He knew that this was huge in his heart, I would hope so. He just saw an angel of the Lord that almost scared him to death. But it was good news. And he sent, the angel said, hey, go get this guy. He's got uh, got a message for you. And he's so excited. He gets friends and relatives. This is a Bible study right here. This is a home fellowship that's about to happen. As Peter was coming in, verse 25, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. That's cool. Peter walks in. Okay, (laughs) we got a house full here. All right. I thought I was going to talk to you, but cool. Um, Are these guys all staying for the meeting? Okay. All right, so everyone is here. Verse 27, And as he talked with him, Oh, we did that. Verse 28. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to uh, one of another nation. But watch this, guys. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Wow. That just happened. That just happened, and that was huge. The restraints, the restriction of the law, the wall that was built to separate and create that uh, division where, yeah, we get it because Jesus was a Jew, and that's going to all the world. Oh, the Jewish world? Cool, we can handle that. Judea, Samaria, and those areas, but... Boom, bump up against that wall, bump up against that Gentile. Whoops, got to go clean, burn the clothes. No, not them. And what did Jesus say? All living creatures. The angel didn't give the gospel because it wasn't his job. It's ours. And that's what God was showing Peter, a new vision. I'm doing something new. I'm blowing open these gates and these doors of the gospel, and it's going to everyone. And what I have cleansed, you cannot call unclean. And Peter just admitted right here, <laughs> you know, I'm on the road, and while I'm coming to you, I'm still kind of like, God, is this, what are we doing? I'm with these guys, they're Gentiles. I had them in my house last night, and I come to another house. This, everything I'm doing is illegal according to the law I've been raised in. But he admits to Cornelius, but I'm seeing something different. I'm seeing that God is doing a new work. And he admits that to Cornelius. See, this came over a period of time. He didn't get a vision from God, and boom, now he gets it. It took a while. This was huge. He had to process it and ask and seek, and, Lord, is this you or is it me? And, and the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, hey, Take a step of faith. Okay, talk to these guys? Cool. Okay, now go with them. Okay. And now go into their house. Okay. And these are steps of faith, but while the journey, it makes sense to him. That's what you meant, Lord. The sheet that came down with all these unclean things, now I get it. And now it makes sense. In his time, the Lord revealed it. If it's of God... He'll reveal the vision. If it's of the Lord, He'll reveal it to you through confirmation. The Holy Spirit will do His work. Reading on. Verse 29. Therefore, I came without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? Okay. Cornelius, why am I here? Why'd you sin for me? 30. So Cornelius begins to tell the story. Listen to his words. We'll do some reading here so we get through. So Cornelius said, Four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send, therefore, to Joppa, and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we're all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. So we're all here. Hey, I've been seeking the truth my whole life, doing the best that I can. I just didn't know who to call out to and, and where, what direction to go. But then an angel of the Lord said, go get this guy. And that was you, and you came, and now you're here, and now we're all here, so what do you got for us? Exciting. 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Oh, that's cool. Those barriers are down. That wall has been crumbled. The gates are open. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Verse 37, the word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a, on a tree. Verse 40, him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead? To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Peter's preaching the gospel. Now, watch this, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. Cool. The gospel is now for the Gentile. It's been shared to the Gentile. And guess what? When Peter held a seminar on Holy Spirit studies, the Holy Spirit fell? No. When the word was spoken, the gospel was being spoken. The word of God was being preached by Peter. And that is when the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Verse 45, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. Remember the homies? They're like, what in the world? Wait, they can get saved? They saw this too. They were astonished, and as many as come with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. No way. This does not happen. No way, Lord. And yet they witnessed it. They saw it. And they were blown away. They were astonished. Lord, you're doing something majorly new here. 46. For they heard them speaking with tongues and magnify God and that's what always happens that's what tongues is all about the purpose and the reason for speaking in tongues is to magnify and glorify God always and only and that's what that's for and that's what happened the Holy Spirit fell upon these folks these Gentiles these guys that previously were viewed as uh, camping wood for the fires of hell In their view, not anymore. These witnesses, these homies that came with Peter, they saw the same thing. God's doing a work in Peter's heart, and and these guys must have been, they were along for the ride, but they got to witness this whole thing, blown away, astonished. Wait, Gentiles can get this too? Yes. The doors have been flung open, and the wall has been crumbled down. And they speak in tongues and they glorify God. And then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them, excuse me, to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay a few days. Wow. God is doing something new. And I'll tell you something right now. This vision, or I should say the vision that Peter saw, this trance that he was in, what he saw was something that at first didn't quite add up. Didn't make sense. Okay, Lord, if that's you, let me know. I guess now I can eat lizards. Got it. Uh, the creeping things. Um, I can eat camel, apparently. Um, Not sure where we're going there, but okay. And the cool thing about it is, again, the Lord spoke to Peter in the way that Peter needed to be spoken to right then. Food, (laughs) because that was the need. That was the struggle at the moment. And we all get to benefit from this. Because if you're here today and you're not Jewish, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And you have that same opportunity. As Peter was saying, that He died for all, all, that's everyone, for the remission of sin. And he was doing a new work and he was giving vision. And the question is this, I don't know much, I really don't, but this is what I do know. God is not done with you. He's not done with you. Do you know that? And he's not done with me either. And we're not done until... We get to heaven and even then maybe we're not done i don't know maybe there's things beyond i'm not sure but i know in this life right now god's not done with you he wants to do new works with you and me now the question is this has he already given you a vision has he given you a vision maybe he has well i don't know you can only get visions and in god's only going to give you a vision if you're in church or if you're in a bible study No. Not true. Why? How do we know that? Because where was Peter when he got his? He was on the roof waiting for lunch, hungry, tummy growling. God met Peter where he was at, and he's going to meet you where you're at. Where are you at right now? I know you're in church, but where are you at spiritually? He can meet you in the gym. And give you a vision for a new work on how to, how to give the gospel to these guys over here benching 500 pounds. How do I get into that crowd? He can give you a vision out on the trail as you hike or bike. He can give you a vision in the office. How to bring the gospel to your co-workers. Lord, do I, do I go to that college? Do I move? Do I stay? Do I start a business? I laugh, because people that are close to me, anyway. Um, What is the vision? Has he given you a vision? And if he has, are you in the middle of right now going, Lord, is that you, or is that just me? Perhaps you're struggling with that. You're perplexed, like Peter. "Um, I see that, but what does that mean? Now I can whatever? And you're in that realm. Maybe you're waiting. Maybe you need to take that little step of faith and go, okay, Lord. You take that step, and if he gives you that foothold, then okay, (laughs) that worked. So now I take another step. Ooh, a foothold. Okay, see, we're going to get confirmation. If it's God, he will confirm it, and you'll know in your heart. The Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. Maybe you're in that process of figuring out and learning that right now as you go, like Peter did, on the journey. And then once he got there, boom, it all made sense. Here's Cornelius. You sent for me a house full of people. You want to hear the gospel. And Jesus, man, a flashback. Oh, gosh. The Lord said to go into all the world and give this gospel to every living creature. Now I get it. Wow, Lord, Peter must have said, you're doing such an awesome new work. You're so amazing. And I get to be part of it? Yes. You might be thinking, I don't know. I don't feel like I've got a vision. How do I get a vision? How do, how do I get a vision from the Lord? Well, what did Peter do? He got away. The hustle and the bustle and people moving pots and pans and getting the food out and turning on the ovens and, and, and you know, all that, it's just, it's, well, you know what? I'm gonna get away. <laughs> and he goes to a quiet place. I've talked to the youth about this v- many times, and I stress this, and we've talked about this. Do you have a quiet place? Do you have a place where you can get away, turn off the phone, get out a signal, Maybe it's a big tree on the top of a mountain that overlooks the ocean, or maybe it's the beach, whatever it is. Maybe it's upstairs in a study. Do you have a quiet place that you can go and actually spend time with the Lord in prayer and seek Him? Because that's what happens in our story. As the example goes, Peter got away. He got away and dozed. (laughs) He's Peter. But nonetheless, the Lord met him where he was at, and that's what the Lord's going to do for you. Do you have a quiet place? If you don't get one, I suggest you get a quiet place. You have to disengage. You have to unplug. You have to get away. And you have to, it's so important for us, even in this world we live in today especially, get away, have quiet time with the Lord. And if you're truly seeking him, I guarantee you, he's going to give you that vision. If he wants to do a new work in you, and I I guarantee he does, because why? Because he's not done with us. And in order for us to continue in this walk uh, for the Lord and this Christianity thing we're doing, new things come up, and he wants you to be a part of it. And perhaps that part of that, that vision, is a way to express the gospel to people around you to bring that gospel to people that don't know. They're seeking, they, they're looking in all these different directions, but they have no idea who to call out to. And they have no idea what direction to go. Perhaps the Lord wants to give you a vision, or maybe he already has, in ways to further the kingdom that, that only he can provide you. Good word. It means so much. And I hope it encourages you. I truly believe that this word is for us today. I do.